Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. This morning we're going to talk a little bit about New Testament letters and I am joined by one of our regulars and a special guest. Who, who am I joined by? Uh, Pastor Eric. And Erica. And Erica, our women's care director. Well, thank you, Erica, for being with us. She's now becoming a regular <laughs> attender, a regular mm-hmm. guest. The podcast is so new, it's hard to really have these categories, <laughs> but we're happy to have you, Erica, and just hear your perspective. And our icebreaker question is, just it's summer and it's really hot, and because of social distancing, we're, if we meet with people, generally we're having to meet outside and... Uh, just thinking about outside and heat and growing up in the South, all three of us did. What What's your favorite cold treat? Like, what's what's the treat that you, maybe as a kid or even now as a big kid, you enjoy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, I'll yeah. go. Yeah. Um, so as a kid, I probably liked popsicles. Um, I like think the it, kind in a bag? I think I ate a lot mm-hmm. of the kind in the bag. Because oh, yes. the top, But now those gross yeah, <laughs> I can't even handle them. But so I'd say now um, ice cream or frozen yogurt and my go-to flavor, if I can get my own personal ice cream is coffee flavor, maybe mm-hmm. coffee with a little chocolate. But since normally we're getting ice cream for all five of us, I just get whatever mm-hmm. the kids get, which is normally cookies and cream or cookie mm-hmm. dough. Did, go on. Eric, what's up? Yeah, uh, so yeah, when, when I was a kid, I would say um, probably those, like the drumsticks, those packaged drumsticks where, uh, you know, ice cream cone with the chocolate and inside mm-hmm. it was really good. Um, but then I I love pie. Like oh. I love all, all different kinds of pie. Do you have vanilla ice cream on the pie? or? Well, so, so there's this one kind of pie that my friend's mom used to make where it was like, it was this Oreo crust um, and then the, the like base of the pie was like this coffee ice cream wow. mixing and then you you just top it off with whipped cream and uh chocolate syrup it was and, and if you have it oreo oreo cookie crumbles i mean it was so you gain I, I like wish, 100 calories just looking at it you don't even have to eat yeah it. <laughs> wow yeah that sounds amazing it was, it was amazing it was yeah i wow. wish i wish somebody else could make it like it is so good i wasn't okay. even thinking pie so yeah i might go pies, key lime pie yeah, yeah. Key lime pie. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think when I was a kid, I liked ice cream sandwiches just because people would, moms would pull them out at events mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, just in the summer. And then I remember the first time I ever had, we went to like a nicer ice cream shop and they made the, it was like a cookie on top and a cookie on the bottom. And then they put the soft serve in the middle mm-hmm. and they had them in a bin, you know, they had pre-made them and I just love those. Yeah. And then, yeah, so those, those are my favorite. I think as an adult, I'm still a big kid. So pretty much what I liked as a child, I, I still <laughs> like. I've just expanded into every type of frozen treat I can handle. The push-up pops never was a big fan as a kid. It was one of the few things. I don't know. I think they were just too cold. I mm-hmm. think I was almost like eating ice. So I, I like now. I like the ice. What do they call it? Like snow? What is it? Snow cone mm-hmm. type things. I definitely definitely ate those. But I would just drink. I would just kind of uh. chug the liquid <laughs> and leave the ice, which is really gross. It's just raw sugar water, but. That's all we have for our frozen treat icebreaker. Now we're going to get to the meat of why we're here this morning. And we are in the Bible reading plan. And many of you at Waypoint Church are participating in that. In two years, we're reading the Bible together. It, it coordinates with our sermons. But obviously, when we're in a New Testament book, we might be preaching through it for, you know, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. But it only takes, you know, a week or so to read the whole book. So we've read James, then we read 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. We'll start reading Hebrews next week. I think we've also read 
First Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we've we've encountered some New Testament letters, but we haven't had a podcast on New Testament letters. And uh, interesting correlation, the Bible Project, for which is a series of videos online, and they also have podcasts. They've been working on this video series for like four years of how to read the Bible and genres of the Bible, and they are toward the end of the series, and they just put out two videos about uh, reading New Testament letters. And it's fascinating for me because the podcast, there's five podcasts that are over an hour long each. So it's five hours of podcasts talking about this, but the videos are, it's just two five-minute videos. So the videos are a little shorter. Uh, I wish they would have gone into a little more detail in the videos, but the podcasts have been really good for me and and just helping me think through New Testament letters. And as a pastor and as someone who loves to teach the Bible and someone who loves to learn from the Bible, I I always want to be growing in how I understand New Testament letters and how I understand the Bible as a whole and see how everything fits together in this big picture redemptive story of Jesus. So I have Erica and Eric here, and I want to start by asking them this question. Tell me about your background and your journey in reading the Bible, and then particularly with reading New Testament letters. Eric, why don't we start with you? Yeah, um, so for me, so I I came to faith when I was like middle school, high school age range, um, probably, probably like the summer right in between the two, which is why it's like usually mentioned both, but um, yeah, whenever whenever I first really took uh whenever I first started to, to profess faith, I, I realized, um, you know, to, to really take this seriously, to own it, I need to, I need to read the Bible. I need to, I need to start, um, digging in and, you know, I mean, going to youth group and, and, and attending church and, you know, you get in these, these different church contexts, you, you get to hear different stories or passages that are, that are preached on or taught on or talked about, um, but really, really owning it for myself and, and really starting to dive in um, was probably probably around that time. And I remember it initially wasn't didn't start with a New Testament letter. Uh, I picked the Gospel of John primarily because that was my dad's name was John. My dad's name's John, so it's like that it seems like a, a reasonable place to start. Uh, it was the first of the Johns. I mean, there's there's let, there I could have read New Testament letters called John, but I chose the the self titled one, the mm-hmm. John. Um, and I remember, I remember very early on, I mean, I got to chapter two, the story of the wedding in Cana and Jesus turns water to wine. And I was like, I mean, that's cool, but I have no idea what that's trying to teach me about Jesus. Like Jesus, Jesus has some supernatural powers. He can, he can change one substance to another substance. Like what, what is, I, I thought that uh, I thought Christians didn't drink, so I was like just <laughs> trying to trying to figure this out. And so, so for me, I realized, okay, uh, I really, I think I need to do this in community. I, I need, I'm going to need some help here. Um, but then uh, a few years later, um, before my senior year of, of high school, uh, I remember just really, really having the time, really being encouraged to to go deeper and and. Um, and reading the Bible, this is the first time that I really dove deep into the the New Testament. I, I took a summer, I probably probably over a course of like six weeks. I read through the, the entire New Testament, and wow. I was just eating it up. Like I, I I couldn't get enough of it. Like I would just go in my room each night, and I would just devour. Um, and and there was uh, there's one one guy in particular that, that I would go to often because he was most accessible to me. He's a couple years older than me that I would, I would go and I'd just ask him questions. And, and, and typically when it would come to trying to learn about, um, 
like reading, reading a New Testament letter like that Paul wrote, um, I would read part of it and then I'd go to him because I'd have some kind of question and he would, he would typically say, well, just keep reading. <laughs> and, and as soon as I kept reading, Paul would typically answer the question that I had. And so I just learned, okay, I just need to read all of Paul before I, before I then ask questions. So um, I would say that was some of my first exposure. Okay. How about you, Erica? So um, I grew up in the church, so I, you know, learned the Bible and and bits and pieces. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, you know Jesus parables or Ten Commandments, kind of the popular um, children's passages. Um, and then when I was a sophomore in high school, I went through. Um, a study we had at our church on Wednesday nights called Disciple Bible Study, and it went through um, the entire Bible, starting from Genesis to Revelation. Um, a few of the Old Testament books, it shortened, took a few chapters out, but was basically uh, walked through the Bible and just really enjoyed that. So I did that again um, my junior, my senior year. And although there was still so much I didn't understand, I thought it was interesting and enjoyed um, studying it. And so that just kind of became my practice um, when I went on, you know, to college. Sometimes I would be like in an actual Bible study that was looking at one particular book of the Bible. Um, But when I wasn't in my personal time, I would either just kind of go back through and read the Bible or I'd go back through and read the New Testament a lot more than the Old Testament. And then um, if I had, if I didn't know what to study, um, I would gravitate towards a lot of the either the Gospels or the New Testament letters. And then last spring, I actually got to take a class on the New Testament. Um, and it was really helpful because that's when I learned a lot more of like context and um, the professor had us read a lot of like parallel passages of, you know, during that time period and kind of get a feel for other literature during that time and, you know, be able to contrast the letters to that. Okay. And for me, I feel like, I don't know, I just grew up in the church my whole life. My family was definitely into the Bible. You know, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, grandparents were believers, you know, so we were. I was around the Bible a lot. I think I didn't really just kind of heard the stories, you know. I think probably the New Testament letters I didn't really engage probably until college that's when i really started noticing patterns i i like them i didn't you know i didn't per- definitely i mean i felt like colossians ephesians philippians is re- easier to read mm-hmm. i still found myself going to the to john and matthew a lot like not the end of matthew the kind of woe to the pharisees parts mm-hmm. but like more like this stuff with jesus uh, but yeah, I definitely began to really put the puzzle pieces together. Then I, then when I started reading the some Bibles with cross references, I still I started realizing how much the New Testament letters refer to the Old Testament. And then I started like I got a study Bible, and at the beginning mm-hmm. of this, the every book of the Bible in the study Bible, there's like some notes about like why was the book written, why is it important. Here's an outline, and I be, I begin to become more fascinated by that because mm-hmm. I was like, wow these letters and then i just started thinking about even the term that they were letters that was weird to me because i was like oh i just took it for granted that i heard this sometimes when i was a kid they call them epistles but Mm -hmm. which is kind of a fancy word for maybe a more a letter that has become a religious letter or a more specific letter yeah so so my experience was similar to you guys i mean i did 
it was a slow process where I began to learn. And then as, you know, I went to seminary and even from college, like people were talking about inductive Bible study and, and this type of method and that type of method, I just began to appreciate the letters. And, but I also began to realize that the deeper you dig into them, they're, they're simple in the sense that you can just read Colossians and get so much out of it, but it's also complicated. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of rich theology there. There's a lot of just layer upon layer upon layer of Paul teaching us who who Christ is, what God's done, and and who we are in that. And 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 I begin to learn to just dig deeper and deeper. Um, moving on to the next question, just thinking about your own personal Bible study. How do you pick which book of the Bible you're going to presently read? I know we're in the Bible reading plan, mm-hmm. so sometimes your church or your in a Bible study that's dictating it for you. But when you're not in that situation, how do you how do you kind of choose what you're gonna read? Or is it always normally dictated by kind of what's coming up next? What are some methods that you've done in the past and what, what do you how do you do it now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, is, it is nice to have uh, helpful suggestions or things to follow. I mean, I've, I've done, uh, you know, Sarah, Sarah and I have done Bible reading plans in the, in the past and then mm-hmm. it's, um, I think in, in that regard, it's it's helpful to know, okay, like, just pick. Uh, the, in that particular plan that I was doing, there's like, you're reading from four different sections of the Bible at one time, which is, I guess, kind of similar to what we're doing, but um, in that particular plan, I was doing it uh, in one year, whereas we're doing it in two years. Um, so, so in that regard, it was, it was easy to kind of follow through. Um, I've, I've done in the past where I just start in the New Testament and just work my way all the way through. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, you know, that, so, so there's, um, like I, I've, I really wanted to, to dive deeper into, uh, like really knowing the book of Isaiah, for example. So, uh, this past, this past Christmas, somebody got me a, it's going to sound nerdy, but somebody, somebody bought me a commentary on Isaiah, which I was yes. really excited Bible about. Bible nerd, Bible um, nerd alert. <laughs> and so I, I've, I like periodically read through that alongside so it's just as, as a way of like okay i really want to I, one of the things that i learned during my time in college when i was uh in in cruise campus ministry was um the the guy who oversaw the the ministry would say you know t- take a year and just really own a book of the bible mm-hmm. like really really know it like like know the ins and outs of it like really take ownership of it study it uh meditate on it go back and read through it over and over and over again and really really know the substance of that book and and so um i, I haven't always taken that advice to to heart i haven't always, i haven't really done that as well but um, I've, I've also heard other, I've heard from other older pastors give similar wisdom, similar advice of, uh, you know, really know a few books that, that, like, that are very important, know them really well, um, that, that are essential in, in just understanding the, the full picture of, um, you know, in this case, um, this pastor was saying Romans and, and Isaiah, that, that these are the two pil- pillar books for me that I'm, that I'm going to really dive into. Um, but then, then when it comes to like Ephesians, Ephesians has been like a, like a safe haven, one that I go back to often, um, maybe, maybe in part because it is familiar and it, and it does give me comfort in, in that way. Yeah. And you can read through it in just one sitting right. fairly right. reading through Romans in one sitting or Isaiah in one sitting is probably 
too daunting. Right. But right, yeah, yeah. You, you could read, a, you know, half of Ephesians, the first section and the second section in, in one day and, mm-hmm. and kind of feel Paul's, feel the big picture and, and let it soak in. Yeah, good. And I, I've heard that too about kind of trying to get to know a book well. The cool thing is as you get older, the more you do that, you'll end up knowing the whole Bible well. Right. Yeah. Uh, so if you, I know some people who take a month or two in a, in a, a book, mm-hmm. like the year. For a book like Ezekiel or Isaiah, you're going to want to take a long time. Genesis is going to take you a long time. Mm-hmm. Even though Leviticus is long in its content, I mean, it's words, it's short, and the themes are pretty, you could just read through it and kind of get the big picture uh, in Leviticus. But Ezekiel, Jeremiah, they're, they're going to take you longer. So I, I think that's a great approach. Mm-hmm. Erica, how about you? Um, mine's similar. I'm I'm really enjoying the Bible reading plan right now and reading in community, um, just knowing that other people are reading the same things and we're yeah, studying that's, together that's and it lines good. up. Mm. Um, same, sometimes I've just gone through, started, yeah, yeah, Genesis read through or started with Matthew and read through the New Testament. Um, sometimes if I'm, even if I'm doing another plan, but it's a time where I just feel like, I'm discouraged and want to read the Bible. I'll pick up one of the smaller letters, yeah, like Colossians or Ephesians, that I can read in a, in one sitting and read through them. Um, sometimes I'll approach a book or a series of books like with questions. I'll want to read um, everything the letters have to say about women and teaching, and I'll go through, you know, and and pick a topic and read through, or um, I'll read through the Gospels, but with the intent to see like what does jesus really teach or what is how does he respond to certain things you know so sometimes it's like a overview of a book i'll study and read that book over and over again or sometimes it's a more particular question yeah and for me i kind of i'm i'm a very unstructured person so my bible reading is unstructured too i mean i i'll just i'll read a blog post about somebody saying something I can't believe this or that. And they'll make a reference to mm-hmm. Amos. So I'll be like, Oh, I haven't read Amos in a while. And I'll, I'll read Amos or, you know, the shorter books, obviously you can read straight through the longer books take a little more time. Like for since we weren't edited in the Bible reading plan, but someone had asked the question through the what's the point podcast. It's actually the only question we didn't answer. So if you're listening out there, <laughs> I'll send you an email with, with, uh, with an answer, but it just, what about the man of lawlessness in second Thessalonians? And I hadn't thought about the man of lawlessness in probably three years or so. Mm-hmm. And because of this question, I went back and read second Thessalonians. It's really short. You can read it in like 10 minutes. 15 minutes maybe and i just kind of wanted to to think through that and be like wow there's this 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 idea this theme that paul brings up that's also alluded to uh the antichrist type character and and antichrist in in first john and a few other places so i read thessalonians twice i read in two different translations second thessalonians and then i and then i try to dig a little deeper on you know who is the man of lawlessness so sometimes for me it just something going on uh Mm -hmm. sometimes like erica said it's topical other times like eric mentioned i just want to know a book better now one cool thing about waypoint is because we're teaching through books of the bible if you follow us we're going to cover every book of the bible some more in depth but we're going to cover every book in the bible every hopefully 10 to 12 years in these cycles so if you stick with our sermon series and you just say well i'm going to dig deep in whatever we're studying for the sermon series you will 
get the whole Bible. Part of why we're doing the two-year Bible reading plan is because a lot of our folks are like, I've never read the whole Bible Mm-hmm. all the way through so we thought this would be a good way to do that and then we're going to revisit judges and joshua in like three years in our sermon series so even though you're reading them now you may not be you may not have gathered everything from it you're just learning you're hearing it for the first time we're going to go back to it but on the new testament letters my my next question for you guys is just kind of when when do you go to them versus go to like a, the psalms or something like how do how do you choose? This isn't quite in the uh, in the questions I gave you in advance, so I'm kind of throwing a curveball. But uh, when do you go to them? Like when when do you go to Ephesians or Colossians or go to a Psalm? Like how do there the, there seems to be some go to books of the Bible that are New Testament letters, and then tends to be maybe the Psalms or some of the teachings of Jesus. Like how do you? How do you go to these devotionally, not academically? Like, you're just like, I just need God right now. What are some experiences you've had with that? Any thoughts? So, um, when I need help praying, you know, I think um, you so think the, the Psalms. Text is praying for you. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll read the Psalm just as my prayer. Okay. Um, sometimes I'll read and pause um, and comment on it. The letters are really helpful for that. I think a passage I pray a lot in Ephesians, it's Ephesians 1, 15 through 20, and Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, but it's just the idea of like what Paul is praying for them, that you would know Christ more, you would know his power, you'd know that working in you. So like, I'll pray that for myself, I'll pray that for my children, I'll pray that, you know, for other people. That's awesome. So like how we would maybe pray the Psalms or pray Mm -hmm. the Lord's Prayer, we can pray through some of the prayers of Paul. Like Mm -hmm. I, I like Colossians 1. Philippians too. I go back to those a lot as kind of my devotional and prayer. Uh, and then even in Thessalonians, when he's talking about longing to be with the people, mm-hmm. Thessalonians 3, you know, the end of 2 into 3, I was like, wow, that's kind of where we are right now for Waypoint. So I mm-hmm. kind of prayed for that during COVID. Like, Paul can't get to them. And actually, a Waypointer actually sent me that as a encouragement mm-hmm. maybe a month ago or so that same passage like even though we can't be with each other we're still together in spirit worshiping god so the letters i've i've had some of those experiences where i don't always go to the psalms i feel like i go about equally to the letters or the psalms in devotion and prayer yeah i think i think seasons of of maybe discouragement um i like being reminded of who i am in christ yeah and the letters um, do a good job so, of that. Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, and, and then even just just remembering what Christ has accomplished, like Romans eight, is is one that I, like. Therefore, yeah. there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and and knowing the buildup of, of all that goes into that that comes that that Paul gets to that point is, um, it's incredibly beautiful. Uh, you know, we we were talking about but before the the podcast, we were talking about how uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's is like this. Uh, just genius, genius in, in the way that he, he wrote. But like, I don't know, just Paul, Paul's, and John Paul's, and Peter are geniuses yeah, too. Yeah, just geniuses and, and the, but, but like, By the it's spirit, rooted they in, the, letters, in the yeah. truth. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just like the power of the spirit to, to bring that out. But then I, I think even um, in, in this current season for me uh, and, and just being full-time ministry, uh, you know, people, people like to talk about maybe or latch on to different people in the Bible that they're like, mm-hmm. this person really resonates with me. Um, yeah, I think I've, I've heard you mention in the past before of like David being one of those people for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, um, Timothy is, is kind of like that. 
uh, just just kind of studying in Timothy and and seeing the way that Paul talks to Timothy. So I, so I, I go back to like First Timothy, Second Timothy, sometimes as and, and even uh, Paul. Paul's trying to encourage him and and uh, and remind him of of the calling that the Lord has put before him, and, and so um, that's that's really been ministering to me over the past few years. That is is something that uh, even just trying to remind myself of like what has the Lord called me to, mm-hmm. and what is He how how has He equipped me to do this work, and how how can I strive in His strength as as I do it? Um, but just just yeah, constantly going back to that and and just. Almost like Paul's fatherly voice to Timothy as he's like calling him up to do this work. Okay. Yeah, and I think I think that's one of the beautiful gifts we have in these New Testament letters. There's 21 letters. Some of them are really short. Some of them are much longer. Some of them are cover kind of an intense theological focus on a couple topics like Hebrews. Some are very broad, like First Corinthians or Second Corinthians, covering a wide range of problems that the local church is dealing with. Uh, some are a f- little more focused and short, like you know, Colossians or, or Ephesians. So each each letter can speak to us. And in light of that, how do you guys presently approach a New Testament letter? Like, obviously, Second John and Jude are similar, but they're very different than Hebrews or Romans or. And then I would say Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, kind of like the big three that are short, easy to read, lots of encouragement, lots of you know Bible passages you can put on your wall, mm-hmm. uh, but also a lot of deep theology that you wouldn't want to put on your wall because mm-hmm. you, you know you you, you so how how do you guys approach it and uh, yeah what's been your method in the past and and how do you approach New Testament letters now because there's similarities in all of them, but then there's also a lot of differences in how to really grasp them and understand them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, um, for one, it's it's important to keep... So, so somebody made a comment to me before of they, they don't like to have their main Bible be a, a study Bible because what that what they end up doing is just reading all the notes. Okay. And so they'll go they'll go through reading the Bible and they'll they'll just but instead of actually reading the Bible they they're just focused on on reading what the, the commentator is, yeah. is trying to tell them. Um, so they know that temptation for for themselves and so they they like put that to the side and just uh, I th- I think even kind of knowing okay the all the different breakdown of verses and uh, the subheadings you know that Paul Paul didn't write those, or or Peter didn't write those. That's even the the people who are compiling that translation, who are um, trying to give some interpretation for you to help you out. To to, uh, I mean, you can do that yourself. You can try to ignore those and and read through it. And um, so so I think uh, just remembering that these letters were meant to be read in totality. Um, some the, the shorter ones. I mean, it's nice. It's nice that they're short, and so we we can read through them. I think trying to. I think that helps even in in trying to get a general understanding and and just approaching it as as knowing. Okay, I want to I want to try to understand what the author's original intent is in writing, mm-hmm. um, because it'd be very easy. I mean, uh, I, I've heard somebody tell a story before of you know the the English professor who's teaching this poem to his class. Uh, and just loves loves teaching this poem. Teaches this this poem every year, all the time, to all of his students. Mm-hmm. And one year, uh, did all this work, did all this legwork to try to get the the actual poet to come and speak to his class. 
And so the poet finally gets contact with the poet. The poet obliges, comes to the class. Uh, the teacher's telling telling his students about this poem, and the poet's like, "No, you you're getting my poem all wrong. <laughs> like you you completely misunderstand it." Um, and so because you misunderstand it, you're you're failing to teach the actual meaning of the poem. Uh, I, I I think you know God has has written God is working through these these. Uh, these authors to write something to us that uh, he wants us to, and, and, and it's written there, there, you know, you have these historical, cultural, uh, there's, there's context to it, but I think there's timeless truths to, to draw out from it. And so I think, um, you know, not every time am, am I trying to uh, do all this academic work to understand all these things, but I think um, just, just trying to understand the, the general logic, the flow of thought that that's there Um if there are things that I, I don't understand, I might circle it or uh, write a question mark or or think or maybe maybe I just kind of sit there and and try to like keep reading through it over and over and over, uh, and then try to read it in in the larger context to to try to understand more of what's there. I, I mean, and then cross references. Uh, I love love using cross references to look at other places in Scripture where uh, the the biblical authors are drawing from um, or alluding to. Uh, or even seeing how, you know, if I'm if I'm reading a letter written by Paul, I might read another area, another another section from a different letter that Paul wrote, uh, where he's talking about similar ideas to to try to help shape mm-hmm. and and understand more of of what he's saying. So those are, those are some general. And for those of you at home who are newer to Bible reading, cross references. Some Bibles in the middle have like a column, and it'll have like another verse either that this verse is quoting, sometimes the New Testament quotes an Old Testament passage. But if you read on your phone or like an iPad, normally if you're reading the Bible next to the the actual word, there might be little tiny letters. If you tap on that little tiny letter, it'll pop up the cross-reference maybe in another small window, and it'll either be a, a Bible verse that's similar or a Bible passage that's almost the same that this New Testament author is taking from the Old Testament are taking from another part of the New Testament. Very rarely do they take from the New Testament because it's being developed as these letters are being written. But as we, um, as, as you learn what cross-referencing is, it really is a helpful tool. And one thing I was going to bring up later, but I'll just bring it up now, is, is the New Testament relies on the Old Testament. It's basically, mm-hmm. one professor I had called it the index. It basically, if you, if you look at the Old Testament, it's all pointing us to Jesus. The Gospels present Jesus, and the New Testament letters are how to be Jesus' people, how to be the people who are redeemed and saved by Jesus, who Jesus is their king, Jesus is their priest, Jesus is their prophet. And so there, there's Old Testament imagery throughout. There's Old Testament references. It's, it's just using the Old Testament, using this grand narrative of God's plan to save his people and giving it to us in practical ways in these letters to help these local churches thrive as this new gospel community. So, yeah, I, I like that idea that you said. And, and cross-references are probably the most important thing for me as I was growing and understanding the, the New Testament letters. If you're out there and you want to learn more about this, you can definitely email me or Eric, and we can show you some online tools of how to be just use the resources and the technology available to mm-hmm. use cross references. So the Bible, you're allowing the Bible to teach itself. 
I mean, I think cross-references are one of, one of the ways that I learned that the Bible is interconnected. Like, the, it's, it's, speak, it's, one, like big it's story. one big story. That's, that's probably one of the first things that started to cue that, like, started to, to spur that on for me and thinking, okay, like, this is, this is all interconnected. This is one, these aren't a bunch of separate authors telling separate stories, but this is, they're telling, they're contributing to this one big grand story that the Lord's telling us. Yeah. Right, How, writing these same truths, like, Hundreds of years apart, right. and in different yeah. places. Yeah, different places, different settings, different languages. But it's one story: God's redemptive plan to save His people. Mm. Erica, any any other thoughts you have yeah, on? So I think for me, like it's like a attention and approaching the letters, but all of Scripture. I think when I in high school first started. Um, reading the word, a lot of people would tell me like, oh, the Bible's God's love letter to you. So I kind of approached it always looking for something for me and something um, really personal, not thinking at all about the context, you know. And then I might have overcorrected at some point and and been scared I was going to draw a wrong conclusion and been hyper aware of, mm-hmm. of context, but like trying to come to it both from, um, you know, an academic mindset of, wow, this is an incredible book and it's written in a different language to different people. And if I want to give it the respect and honor it deserves, I need to know more about that. And yet at the same time, it really is the way that God speaks intimately to me as his daughter mm-hmm. And he knows my heart perfectly, and he uses these words to convict and encourage. So, yeah, kind of holding those uh, to intention. And um, as far as how, like, I would approach a letter if I was going to study it, normally I would read it all the way through. I'd try to, even if I couldn't do it in one setting, just read it through. And normally a New Living Translation the first time. And then go back through kind of like chapter by chapter. And that's when I would like cross-reference or look at things that like, oh, I don't understand. I don't know what that means. Oftentimes I would bring it up with with you. Not everybody gets to like live with Danny and ask all your questions. (laughs) Bible um, (laughs) nerd for your husband. (laughs) But that's uh, that's a bonus. Um, And yeah, look at commentators that, you know, I respect. Um, And then after I've done that, like for several days, weeks, then go back through and read it again and kind of pray through it. Like, you know, what does this say for my life? Like, oh, and look at specifically at the instructions in the letter, you know, mm-hmm. be joyful all the time, you know, pray, God, I'm not joyful all the time. What does this mean? What does this mean in real life context? You know, bring my, you know, heart out to him in that way. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of touch on what you talked about and So when we think about approaching these New Testament letters, I feel like, you know, I've been around the American church long enough to start noticing some patterns and even some shifts in my lifetime. You know, I started studying the Bible in the 90s. And, you know, so I'm on like around 25 years of, you know, college and post-college, just really learning and studying and growing. And I've noticed that there's kind of the individualistic or the communal approach, like, you know, the individuals, it's like me and the Holy Spirit and my Bible. Mm-hmm. I don't need commentary. I don't need anything. And then there might be the, it might be even individualistic. Well, I'm going to just read this. This is my favorite pastor, so I'm going to read his take on it. Mm-hmm. Then there's the communal approach, which is more like, like I'm going to learn this passage. I'm going to read it individually, but then I'm going to come to a Bible study and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to other people about it. And we try to do that at Waypoint in our small groups. Mm-hmm. Now, because our small groups have, social events and other things it's not like 
every part of every book like we didn't go deep into all of the pentateuch but we try to to grow in community then there's this kind of systematic or thematic theology approach versus the biblical theology approach and that just means are you looking for themes of theology and like oh i really and then so when you read the new testament letters you're just focusing on the themes you're like, oh, I noticed this theme, I noticed this theme, but you're not even paying attention to how it fits together. And every time a theme comes up, and I think as Americans, we can even do this for themes that aren't even theology. Like, I wanna feel good about myself, or I wanna, I want, you know, to, I want the American dream and the way I think of it to be in the Bible. So as I'm reading New Testament letters, I'm pulling out everything that I, I, pulling it out of context so that it can make the American dream or whatever I believe is true, true. And then the biblical theology approach is kind of just saying like, where does this fit into the big picture? I'd say as Christians, we're always going to be in the tension of the systematic theology approach, meaning what are the themes that keep showing up over and over again? You know, sin, redemption, justification, sanctification, the cross, the tree, the snake, you know, all these things. And then on the other side, what does this mean in its original context? What does this mean in light of those people hearing the redemptive plan of God? And how does this fit into the bigger narrative arc of the scripture? So there's that approach. And then there's the final one that Erica kind of alluded to, just or not alluded to, but just mentioned, the academic versus devotional approach. Like, do you approach a New Testament letter academically? Or do you approach it devotionally? And how do you, how do you create that balance? Um, any thoughts on creating? So, so kind of like, how do we approach these when we know we're an individualistic culture? We know we're going to probably want to make it our own. And we want it to be devotional, but we want enough academics so that we can actually understand the context so it can be devotional. Because we, like your poet example. Mm-hmm. The only way a poetry can really be, I mean, you kind of got to know what it's about mm-hmm. to, to really learn, to grow from it. And we, as Christians, we want to know why, why did God give us this? Why does Paul use this method to teach this thing? Why did he address the church in this way? And why is this the only time in Scripture we get, like, a key teaching on resurrection is at the end of 1 Corinthians. Or we get a key che- teaching on singleness in 1 Corinthians 7. So... So how do how do we how do you, how have you guys approached that and uh, any thoughts on this academic versus devotional and how to not how to not fall into any of the errors but try to just trust God as you approach these letters. Mm-hmm. One thing I was thinking about just with the individualistic versus communal approach is that most Christians in most places throughout most of history didn't have the individualistic option. It had to be communal. Like either they couldn't read or they didn't have access to the Bible itself. They had to learn in community. And these letters themselves were read out loud to the congregation knowing that some of the people in the congregation couldn't read. Right, Right. exactly. these letters were delivered orally. Yes. Yeah. And they weren't, yeah, they were, and they were, yeah. In a community, in a a room of a group group of people. people. Maybe Timothy. That was the event. (laughs) Was written just to Timothy, but all the other letters were written to a group of people. Right, exactly. And so, um, and the goal wasn't to move to the, to individualistic, like it's a, Christianity is a communal religion. It's a blessing that we can have Bibles in our own home, and it's a blessing that we can read them on our own, but that was never to take the place of the community. And I think sometimes 
we prefer individualistic. Maybe maybe part of it is good. Like we want that intimate we relationship with God. We want to feel like that personal connection. But I think sometimes too, we just don't want to deal with a community. Like we just want to read it on our own and come to our own conclusions and not have to not have yeah, to have tension, tension. and struggle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you so almost like you're not allowing this the church, God sets up his church. The spirit comes to set up a church, not to set up individuals who interpret everything on their own, but to individuals who become this body right. that work it out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and that's I mean, the scripture speaks a lot to that. speaks speaks a lot to of, of the church being a body that we are we are members of of one body. Actually, that's probably one of the most common themes in all the different letters is, and, is unity in the body in Christ. And yeah, and and so who's who's the head of that body is is Christ. Like that's mm-hmm. that's something, and 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 maybe we don't talk about that enough. I mean, mm-hmm. some some of the most theologically rich words in the Bible are in Christ. Yeah. Right. Um, which is, is pretty, it, to, to go into that is, is incredible. It's incredible to think about, I mean, even, you know, Ephesians goes into the spiritual blessings and you, you receive all these spiritual blessings because of being in Christ. And ha- I mean, you, you see like Paul, you, like repeats these ideas over and over and over. Um, and so, so from a, just trying to understand the Bible from from that perspective, this individual versus communal standpoint. I mean, in seminary, professors would talk about yeah, and in, in in any other kind of corporation or any other kind of field, if if you, you, you ingenuity is a good thing, but if you have a novel observation about something in the Bible, you might be a heretic <laughs> if yeah. it hasn't been discovered before in, in the in the context yeah. of, of the church's history. Um, and so even even like understanding communally, it's not even just immediately in our church. That's that's one element of, of community. But then we also get the benefit of uh, being able to look at what what the saints throughout the, the totality of church history have, have talked through and thought about, and how they've they've wrestled with different uh, different problems. That you know, it's it's funny because we'll we'll come to a problem today and think, okay, this is new to the church. And then find out, no, they were talking about this hundreds of years ago, and there's all these treatises on it that <laughs> are really dense. That would be, they probably they've thought a lot more about it than we have. We just we don't read those anymore, so we think, okay, this is new. Um, that's more of a caveat, though. To, you know, just thinking about this question, I think that um, you know, going back to what you're asking, Danny, about academic versus devotional. The reason why you would, the reason why you would want to read academically in, in a sense is that it would lead you to love God more yeah that, that it would lead you to understand mm-hmm. who God is more um, so that that the, the, the problem with going so academic is that you, you you stay there to the point that you you become enamored with what you know hmm. and rather than so, how so it changes your heart how yeah. it's changing you like it, it should be transformative and yeah. so that that's why um, one of my theology professors in seminary is one of my favorite professors. He would always say, after we learn something, he's like, who can you share this with? And he'd say, like, good theology should be shared because it's, it's so rich and so deep, and, and it should be cultivating a, a heart for, for Christ. Because you're, I mean, how can, you, how can you go deeper in learning about Christ's heart for you and not end up, have, like, growing in your heart for him 
Um, I mean, it's incredible just just going through and, and understanding the gospel more deeply, uh, and 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 all of its intricacies. I mean, you guys probably when when your son Isaac is watching a movie, you know, most most people watch a movie just to consume. Like they're mm-hmm. like uh, there's you 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 watch it for the entertainment value, but Isaac is going to watch the the same movie like ten times. Because he's watching how the framing is done. He's watching how camera the transitions. He's the, the camera music angles, in the background. Yeah, um, where the where the characters are placed, what their lines are, uh, like what's the what's the main plot, what's the subplot, what's the backstory of these characters. Like he's he's wanting to, and so you say, well, I don't want to watch a movie like that. That would be that'd be exhausting, and I don't like I don't have time to watch the same movie that many times like most most people would say I, i'm only going to read the same book once i'm going to watch this movie once um maybe there's like one great work that's worth watching or reading twice um rudy lord of the rings but but in general you you uh but but in a sense like that like isaac is watching a movie academically and he's probably i mean he's, he's learning a ton about that movie mm-hmm. But he's he's also like he has a passion for that subject. He has a passion like he has he has a love for movies and like wanting to create himself, which is really cool. But I think um, you know when it comes to the, like that that would be the reason why. Like if if you come to the Bible to read it academically purely so that you have this head knowledge, they kind of separate like head knowledge, heart knowledge. Like you're, you're missing it. Like that's not that's not the and so. Um, but we need people who understand it academically to help us when we get to those crossroad right. dilemmas. They've hashed it out. They've thought through it. Right. They know the original language and the original culture, and they've read hundreds or thousands of Greco-Roman other books to know, like, oh, how does what does this word really mean? And they know the Hebrew Bible. So, like Isaac knows movies, so that mm-hmm. those academic pursuits that the body has given, God has given in the body, yeah. help us understand it devotionally and, and, help and that's us working commu- working communally yeah. working as, as one body but then even uh you know reading reading the bible devotionally i think i think that we can can like eric was saying earlier you know she'll read through the read through the bible and as she's reading through it she'll go through and and pray over it and i think i think understanding that yeah the, the holy spirit can will meet us in our reading of the bible that he he is active and working to to help us uh, understand more fully his word um, and, and that it's compelling like it speaks like he's he's working in that to, to grow our hearts for him so even uh, devotionally academically there there are there are merits to both it's it's not just that okay I have to understand perfectly Paul's logic his logical argument but that even in, in doing that like just coming to it and, and it's speaking to you like the, like the Lord can use that devotionally too and and, and um, I don't know, maybe you think of academic as like exhausting, it's tiring, like I have to do all this extra legwork. Um, but I think you can go into the Bible and just, you can expect God to speak. And, right. and I think it's, it's, it's good and right and healthy for you to have that expectation that, that God's going to speak to me through this. Yeah. So here's the irony and the, and the beauty and the good news, guys. Do we approach it individualistically or communally? Do we kind of look more for systematic theology type answers in the bible or biblical theology do we look at it academically or devotionally the parts of the bible that give us the answers to all these questions are the new testament letters Mm -hmm. themselves 
So the very problem we commit, the answers to the solutions isn't found in Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. It's not found in Deuteronomy. It's found in these New Testament letters. How do we live in this community that is a body? That body language isn't used in other parts of the scriptures. You know, that shows up when you bring this group of hodgepodge people from all these different backgrounds in the Greco-Roman world and then combine them with this Jewish religion that Christ has inaugurated this new kingdom. And then it creates... So these letters are the actual answer to the problem. Hmm. So we have the answer. So that's why it's good to go deep, but that's why it's also good to do it in community. And that's why it's also good to understand it in the academic sense. But at the same time, it has to be devotional. And that tension has to exist. Like it can't be one or the other. It has to be, it has to be all encompassing. And, and then that, that's when the Bible really begins to speak to us. Yeah. So guys, we're going we're gonna to end here. And we want to thank you for just listening to what we have to say. And, and there's a lot more we could say on you know, how, how to read these letters. And we probably will in future podcasts and future sermons. And, and actually, we want all of you to be in Bible studies. We're at Waypoint, unfortunately, right now during quarantine, we were about to have a men's Bible study. Literally, it was mm-hmm. gonna start and then quarantine hit. We've had yeah. a few women's Bible studies, and, and but we're gonna even do our best remotely in quarantine, maybe in backyards, in the heat, you know, doing what it takes so that we can gather people together to just discuss and talk about God's word. If we have to do it on Zoom, we'll do it on Zoom. But we, we wanna gather the community together and continue to grow in his word and be a people who can come to the scriptures and really just trust him so we have a lot more to say about new testament letters but we're gonna end it now and i want to thank all of you for for listening and we'll catch you again soon have a great week